Let's pray for a moment. Would you pray with me for a moment? Father, it is obvious that you're here. And it's obvious that you want to speak to every person in this room. There's not a person here that does not need to hear a word from you. So, Lord, we echo the words of that song. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. And whatever you speak to our hearts, we choose right now to obey you. We choose to repent where we need to repent. We choose to surrender where we need to surrender. We choose to yield where we need to yield. We choose to cast our burdens on you where we need to do so. Lord, you speak, and we will obey. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe the message today is uh, probably the clearest understanding of redemption and of God's plan of any message that I've ever preached. I have preached this message in different forms all over this country. But I want you to realize that if somehow you see the big picture, that you will leave here with an understanding of Christianity that is deeper and uh, better than you've ever had. Now, the important question I want to ask you this morning, are you governed and led by your soul, mind, emotions, and will? Do you live in the power of your soul? Or can you say to me, no, Brother Fred, I am led, I'm controlled, and I live under the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. I'm a spirit-led person. You know, only if we live in the power of our soul, mind, emotions, and will, we will not be able to know the will of God and will not be able to do it. You cannot live in soulish power and hear the voice of God and do the will of God. We can only hear the voice of God and do the will of God as we're led by the Spirit. Now, the Bible makes it absolutely clear that we're a threefold being. We have a body. And with our body, we relate to the physical world, the world around us. The Bible teaches we have a soul, our mind, our emotions, and our will. And with our soul, we relate to the intellectual psychological, and emotional world. But the Bible also says we have a spirit, body, soul, and spirit. And with our spirit, we relate to the spiritual world. It's very clear. On screen, you'll see 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Now listen to what it says. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Now listen to what he says. May your whole spirit soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Bible says uh, that God is faithful who will also do it. Now, if we're going to do the will of God, 
we got to live in the spirit world and not in the soulish world. And the, the powerful truth is that the distinguishing mark of a Christian, now you need to stay with me here. The distinguishing mark of a Christian is that once we get saved, we no longer live controlled by our soul. But our soul is subjected to the Holy Spirit. Our soul is under the control of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that, uh, makes it very clear. So on the screen, you're going to see some scriptures. Romans chapter 8, and uh, the verses there, uh, look what it says. Now, the flesh here means soul. So, though, so then those are in the flesh, soulish. You live in the realm of your soul, mind, emotions, and will. And you're controlled by your soul. So those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But listen at this to about believers. But you're not in the flesh. You don't live under the control of your soul, mind, emotions, and will. But you're not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit, for the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And then you go down into verse 12. Now, this shows you the distinguishing mark of a Christian. I'm telling you, I know that love is a distinguishing mark, but this is the distinguishing mark of a child of God. It is absolutely clear. And you'll see it when we get to verse 14. It says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh. We're not, we owe nothing to the soul. We are not to live in the realm of the soul, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you're controlled by your soul, mind, emotions, and will. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, here it is. How do you know a person's a Christian? How do you know you're a Christian? Listen to what it says. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. Did you know? A child of God, oh, we have a powerful soul, mind, emotions, and will. But we're not controlled by our soul. Our spirit controls our soul and our body and we are led by the Spirit of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God controlling our soul, mind, emotions, and will, these are the children of God. The key verse is that Christians are led by the Spirit of God and do not live in the realm of the soul. Now, I'm going to show you how all this comes together as I go on in the message. The bottom line is this, if we are going to know the will of God, and if we're going to do the will of God, we have to be led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to control our mind. Holy Spirit has to control our emotions. The Holy Spirit has to control our will. And the Holy Spirit keeps our body under subjection. So if we are going to know and do the will of God, then we have to be led by the Spirit and not by the soul. All right, for example, Jesus told us, now you've got to understand how important it is for you to know the will of God, how important it is for you to live in the will of God. 
For example, in, in Matthew 6.10, Jesus told us to pray for the will of God. He told us to pray for it. He told us to pray with an attitude of surrender. Look what he said. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How important is the will of God? That Jesus told us to pray for it, to come to pass in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. And you cannot know and do the will of God in the power of your soul. You cannot. You have to be led by the Spirit of God. Jesus also is our example of a person who had a passion for the will of God and lived according to it. Look at John 8, 38. Look at what Jesus said, John 6, 38. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will. Now, these are the words of Jesus. He said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus said, the passion of my life and the purpose of my life is to do the will of my Father in heaven. And by the way, Jesus was surrendered to the will of God. There came a time when Jesus had to show that surrender, and it's found in Luke twenty-two, forty-two. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was facing the cross, and he was struggling with that cup that he had to drink. And look at what he says. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus said, pray for and surrender to the will of God. Let the passion of your life be to do the will of God. And surrender to the will of God. Surrender to it, whatever it might be. Whatever cup asks you, God asks you to drink, you drink it. But you know, Paul said, you see, you can't do the will of God in the power of the soul. You can only do it as you're led by the Spirit. So uh, the will of God is where you really find fulfillment in your life. If you're living outside the will of God, I'm not saying you might not be successful. I may not be saying that you may have a fairly good quality of life. I'm not saying that. But I'm telling you, peace, joy, purpose, eternal things occur when you live in the will of God. You see the scripture on the screen, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't let this world tell you how to live. Don't let the world influence your mind, emotions, and will and control your behavior. Don't do that. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. Now listen to this. I love this that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He said, don't let this world control your soul, mind, emotions, and will. Don't let it squeeze you into its mold. But you let the Holy Spirit reveal to you the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. And the point I am making is this. If we live in the power of the soul, mind, emotions, and will, we will never be able to know and do the will of God. Hey, by the way, the will of God is the only thing that's eternal. That's the only thing. I want you to look at 1 John 2.17. Boy, it, it says, uh, it's 2.17, not 2.1. Uh, in John 2.17, it says, 
Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but is of the world. Now get this. He said, now don't love the world. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Don't live in your soul, the power of your soul. I said, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And get this, and the world is passing away with its lust. But get this, man, th- this is significant for your eternity. But he who does the will of God abides forever. This world is passing away. But I'm telling you, if you do the will of God, you will live on in your soul and your spirit for eternity with lasting fruit. The world is passing away, but the he that does the will of God abides forever. Now, so we see the significance of not living in the power of the soul because in the power of the soul, we cannot know and do the will of God. But we've got to talk about um, the soul and the spirit. I want us to think a moment about God's awesome creation. You know, you go read Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 2, and boy, you see where God said, let there be light. And then, you know, the sun and, 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 and the moon. And then he's the seas. So we see him do the physical creation that declare the glory of God. And then God goes from creating this physical universe that he, then he creates the animals. He created the sea and the big sea creatures that live in them. And then he created all the beasts of the field and all the birds that fly over the sea. God created the animal kingdom. And let me say something. That was a majestic creation by God. Don't ever minimize the awesome animal world that God created. It's awesome. And let me tell you about an animal. This is so important. An animal has a body. And it has a soul. But it doesn't have a spirit. Because an animal is, has a body, a soul, but an animal is controlled by instinct. And by the way, it is amazing instinct. You see, here they have a body. You say, yeah, I can tell you that. My, my dog has a body. Hey, by the way, they have a soul. <laughs> they can pout when you're not there around them. Oh, I, I can tell you that right now. Listen, I've got a little signal when Bo's fool is ready. I'll just beat a couple of times with a spoon. Boy, he's there quicker than anybody I could get any child ever obey. <laughs> See, animals have emotions. They have feelings. They have a body and a soul, but they don't have a spirit. The body, they can relate to the physical world, the soul to the emotional world, but they don't have the spirit where they can co- co- communicate with God. However, God gave them instinct. Let me tell you something. You talk about amazing, the little things that God did in creating the animal world. You know, I, I was thinking about how that just at the right time, the geese know that it's fixing to get real, real cold in Minnesota. So what do they do? They get together, they form a V to break the wind, the wind resistance, and they fly south. They know where the fields of rice are. They know where the lakes are. And so they fly thousands of miles They don't even have a garment. I mean, go thousands of miles. And they'd always get there just right. 
at the right time. How did they do that? God. He gave them instinct. And they know exactly what to do. And they'll do it. Well, the one that fascinated me was about the salmon. You know, it's hatched back upstream at a particular place. But then it goes out, it grows and goes out to sea. But when the time comes for that salmon to hatch its eggs, to hatch its young, guess what it does? It swims right back upstream. That's what, when they want to be fishing for salmon. They fish right back upstream to exactly where they were born. Now, if there's a dam that has been built between them and that, they'll kill themselves trying to get back. They'll try to jump over it. But they go right back to where they were born. They hatch their young, and they swim back out to sea. How do they do that? It's instinct. God tells them exactly what to do. I mean, they know exactly where to go and exactly come back. But this is the one I love the most. I love this. Have you ever wondered how bees could fill a comb full of honey, and in the hot weather, it doesn't melt and run out on the ground? You know why? Because they have three shifts of bees. First shift gets at the open of the comb, opening, and fan their wings and keep the honey cool. It's called air conditioning. <laughs> and, they stay, and then when they get tired, the second shift comes on. And they just sit there and fan and just do their wings and keep it cool. You said, that's amazing, Brother Fred. Hey, listen to me. We got an amazing God who does amazing things. So God's animal kingdom, if a man hadn't have sinned, it would have been awesome to see how they would have gotten along. But after man sinned, you know, the tiger got mad and started biting people. But anyway, <laughs> but I'm telling you, God's animal kingdom is awesome. Body, soul, and instinct. But oh, that was not the crown of God's creation. No, no, no. Having created all that, God said, let us make, look, Genesis 1, 25 and 26. This is the crown of God's creation. Let us make man in our image, man and woman, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, rule over this earth, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. Now, here, here, here we've got God's crown creation. That's you and me. We have a body. Thank God for our body. You know, it, it's awesome. The way our heart beats and the way the blood circulates through all of our veins and the way we breathe in oxygen. I'm telling you, the digestive system, now when it's working, it is awesome. I'm telling you. <laughs> when it's not working, <laughs> you say, help me, Jesus. But the body is an awesome body. Listen, it's amazing. We have a body and then we have a soul. Think of the power of the mind. My heavens, what man has discovered with his mind all this te technology and all this stuff, it's unbelievable. And then you think about our mind and think of about our, uh, the emotions of man, our soul. We have a body, we have a soul with our mind and our emotions. And our emotions are powerful things. And we can be moved mightily by our emotions. I'm telling you. And, and, and when your emotions are controlled by the Holy Spirit, that is an awesome thing. But if they're not, then man, your emotions can drift 
be, be like a, a yo-yo, up and down, up and down, up and down. But also in the soul, there's a will. So we have a body. We relate to physical world. We have a soul. It's powerful. Mind, emotions, and will. And with our will, we make choices. But that's not all. We have a spirit. You see, God did not create us to be controlled by instinct. No, animals have a body, a soul, and are controlled by instinct. But no, we have a body, a soul, and a spirit. Well, how are we to be governed? Now, I know how the animals were to be governed and to be led. Well, how are we to be governed? So this is how we were to be loving, governed. God gave us our body, our soul, but then he gave us our spirit. And the spirit of God dwelled in the spirit of man. And Adam and Eve were not led by instinct. They were led by the spirit of God. How did they know what to do? They didn't eat eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because the Spirit of God was in them. And he knew he would lead them to that which is right and not evil. So you see, the whole thing about it is this. God's perfect creation of man was just in perfect order because God's Spirit lived in the spirit of Adam and Eve and his Spirit controlled their mind, their emotions, and their will. And his spirit directed and controlled their body. I mean, it was absolutely perfect. The animals, body, soul, and instinct, a wonderful creation. God's choice creation, crown creation, you and me, body, soul, and spirit, the spirit of God leading and governing us in our lives. However, I wish the story ended there, but it doesn't end there. You see, there's the tragic choice that Adam and Eve made. The tragic choice. Two perfect people in a perfect world, led by the Spirit of God with a perfect soul and a perfect mind. But Satan comes along. He'd already been cast out of heaven because he was a rebellious, angelic being. He said, I will be like God. I will exalt myself above the Most High. And God saw the rebellious spirit of the devil and cast him and all those fallen angels who went with him into hell. And so here, the devil wants to get at God because God cast him out of heaven. So he comes to Adam and Eve and he asks Eve this question. This is the tragedy. This is the tragedy, y'all. It's a tragedy. says, Eve. Can y'all eat of all the trees of the garden? She said, you know, we can eat of every tree of the garden. But there's one that we can't eat of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because, listen, they didn't need that because the Spirit of God was in them. And he would lead them into what was right and wrong. They were led by God. But we can't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In fact, you know what God told us? That if we ate it, we would die. Of course, you know the devil's a liar. He said, Eve, you won't die. You won't die. In fact, if you eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll be like God. Well, wait a minute. They were already in the image of God. They were already like God. He was offering them something they already had. But if you eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and God doesn't want you because he knows if you do it, 
you'll be like him. So you know the story. Eve ate, Adam ate. Guess what happened? God said, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Well, you know what? They lived a good while. They had uh, Cain, had Abel. You say, Brother Fred? But God told them if they ate of it, they would die. They did. They died instantly. You know what happened? When Adam and Eve sinned, they still had a body, but now it was a mortal body. They still had a soul, but now it was no longer a perfect soul. Their mind, emotions, and will was tainted by sin. But you know what happened? When they sinned, the Spirit of God that lived in them left. The Spirit of God left them. And you know what they were? They were physically alive. They were soulishly alive. But they were spiritually dead. And now they couldn't be led by the Holy Spirit. They couldn't be led by the Spirit of God. They had to live in the power of their soul. And the soul without the Spirit of God to govern it, it gets all messed up. And see, the tragedy of this is this is that when Adam and Eve sinned, the Spirit of God that dwelled in them departed from them. And really, the animals still had a body and a soul and instinct, but man had a body and a soul. But no no one to lead him, no one to guide him, no one to direct his paths. Man was physically alive, soulishly alive, but spiritually dead. Well, but you know something? This is where the gospel comes in. God had a plan. God had a plan. He had a plan. He knew what was going to happen. He knew. You say, well, how could, well, why did he let it happen? Because he's God and he's sovereign and he chose to give man a will and a choice. But God had a plan. And so what God did was this. He said, all right, now the Spirit of God has left man, and man has a body and a soul, but he's spiritually dead. You say, Brother Fred, um, is man and woman without God, are they really spiritually dead? Yeah. Let me give you a couple of verses. In Ephesians 2, 1, listen to this. Now he's talking to us. And you he made alive who were dead. How? I, I'm not dead physically or, 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 or soulishly, but they, they were dead spiritually. And you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and your sins. And you go down in, in verse 2. He said, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince, the devil, the power of this air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. And he goes on and says, but God, now get this, God had a plan, y'all. It broke the heart of God when Adam sinned. It broke the heart of God when the Spirit of God had to leave the man and woman that he created in his own image. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine the feeling that God had? You say, well, God, can God feel? Certainly he can. The Bible said Jesus was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Listen to this. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, made us 
alive together in Christ. By grace, you're saved. Now, this is where I get excited. I am about to get excited. I'm telling you this. All right. Now you're going to understand this whole deal with Nicodemus. All right. So Jesus comes. He was born of the virgin. See, everybody born since Adam, up until Jesus, was physically alive, soulishly alive, and spiritually dead. I'm going to say it again. Everyone born since Adam, except Jesus, was physically alive, soulishly alive, but spiritually dead. But Jesus was born spiritually alive because he had no earthly father. He was conceived in the Virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit. And as the last Adam, Jesus was born body, soul, and spirit, and had the Spirit of God within him without measure. Okay. So Jesus comes. And there was a religious leader named Nicodemus. And he came one day and knocked on Jesus' door and said, Rabbi, you know, you, we know you've come from God. <laughs> For nobody can do what you do and teach like you do unless God sent him. Do you know what Jesus told him? He said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. What in the world has that got to do with it? You must be born again. Nicodemus said, what are you talking about? I'm alive. Listen, I'm alive. I can't go crawl back in my mother's womb and be born again. Uh, Look what he said in verse 4. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus went ahead and answered him and said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And, And so now I want you to listen. Jesus said, Nicodemus, your problem is this. You're just like everybody else. You're physically alive. You're soulishly alive, but you're spiritually dead. And said, you've got to have a new birth. He said, you've got to be born of the Spirit. He said, let me tell you, what Adam lost when he sinned, you have to get back by repentance of your sin and trusting me and what I'm going to do for you on the cross. He said, Nicodemus, I know you're physically alive and soulish alive. You're a smart man, but I'm telling you, you're spiritually dead. So you need a new birth. You need to be born of the Spirit. You need for the Spirit of God to work a new birth in you, and you need for the Spirit of God to come and live back inside of your spirit. Now, let me tell you about Christianity. I want you to listen to me. Christianity is not about getting man out of earth into heaven. Christianity is about getting God out of heaven into man. Christianity is all about what Adam lost when he sinned, when the Spirit of God left him. Christianity is all about the Spirit of God coming back to live in us in the person of Jesus Christ. Man, that excites me so much that what Adam lost, glory to God, as Christians, we have what Adam lost. And the distinguishing mark of a Christian is your body is the temple of the Oh, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God left Adam 
when he sinned, and he was physically alive, soulishly alive, and spiritually dead. But when, but when people repent of their sins and confess their sins and their spiritual bankruptcy and their spiritual death, and they invite Christ to come and to be their Savior, then Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, comes to live inside of them. And guess what? Here's the distinguishing mark between a Christian and an unbeliever. A Christian is physically alive, soulishly alive, and spiritually alive because the Holy Spirit is in him. An unsaved person is physically alive, soulishly alive, but spiritually dead. No wonder they don't understand the things of God. Man, you know, when you realize there was no greater words that Jesus could have spoke to Nicodemus. You got to be born again. What Adam lost, you got to get back. You got to get the Spirit of God back in your spirit now. So, do you understand? Once you get saved, the Holy Spirit, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit is in you, and the Holy Spirit can speak to your mind. You can renew your mind. The Holy Spirit can control your mind. You can have the mind of Christ. And the Holy Spirit can control your emotions. And your emotions can be balanced and can be that which is pleasing to God. And so your mind and your emotions and your will, the Spirit of God can control your mind, your soul. And you won't live in the power of the soul. You will be led by the Spirit of God. That's Christianity. Christianity is not going to church. You need to go. Christianity is not buildings and forms. And Christianity is this. God comes to back to live inside of the people he created by his spirit. And now they become spiritually alive and can be what God created them to be. Hallelujah. Praise God. So you just repent of your sin. God be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm spiritually dead without God and without hope, but you're my only hope. But Jesus Christ, you died for me, and you rose from the dead. And 40 days later, you sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit comes to live in every believer. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And now, Romans 8.14 can become a reality. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the children of God. To be honest with you, I grew up in church. I prayed to receive Christ, and I was saved when I was nine years old. But I never grew. But when God backed me in a corner, and I came to a place of as much surrender as I knew, then then I began to understand that there was another world out there. It's called the spiritual world. And when the Spirit of God is living in you, then you can read the Bible and you can understand the Bible. It is amazing how before you get saved, it's just words. But when the Spirit of God comes to live in you, he's our teacher. And, man, you read the Gospel of John, you say, well, glory to God. And you read Romans and you say, glory to God. And the Word of God comes alive to you. And then that spiritual world out there becomes alive to you. Why? Because you're no longer dead. You are alive spiritually because the Spirit of Jesus Christ lives in you. And that's what it is to be a child of God. Don't complicate it. What Adam lost, we get back. When the Spirit departed, 
He departed. But when you get saved, he comes back. And your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Hallelujah to Jesus.